This is Bragging Rights, a show all about college football, where the conversations are lively, the topics are trivial, and the hosts are semi-knowledgeable. And now, here are your hosts, Madison and Pierce. Welcome in to another edition of Bragging Rights Week 10 Preview is what we're here to do today. Absolutely loaded slate. Can't wait to get into it. Of course, the game of the, I don't know, the year, decade, whatever you want to call it, will be happening just down the road for me. I'm excited to attend it. And another person who is actually going to a rare Georgia game, doesn't go to many of those, is my co-host and brother, Pierce. Pierce, how are you? Yeah, you know, my time's so valuable these days. I just oh. uh, I have to pick and choose. <laughs> Yeah, I have, uh, you know, I hate to be, I hate to be, you know, uh, a Debbie Downer or Poo Poo going to games because they are so fun. And that's obviously like I, I, there are games each year that I, I miss and I'm, I'm bummed out about, but I'm one of those guys that loves to sit down and just nerd out on football all day and, and follow the social media and follow, you know, multiple games at one time. So um, it is kind of funny how there's both sides of the coin there, but I will be there this week. I'm looking forward to it going down early to really soak it all the environment and everything in. Um, you know, I, I've had a lot of people ask me the last week, you know, how nervous are you? I got a weird, I've got a weird calmness about me and I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, I'm starting to lean bad thing. Uh, but at the same time, I guess it's simple when, uh, you know, if this, if this Tennessee team was seven and one, I'd be nervous. If they beat us at 7-0 or 8-0, whatever they are, tip your cap. But uh, we'll get into that more here. Looking forward to this weekend. Have two really, really big matchups and a slew of other really good games, too. Um, obviously, first week since the college football playoff came out. So, uh, you know, everything kind of begins now. Yeah, you are lucky to get to go down a little bit early. Um, I, Despite living so close, I don't really get to get to Athens as early as I would like. I think that's partially because... I typically have people in tow that are kind of weighing me down. No offense to those people uh, and their schedules. This week, I'm going to have to pick up that other Browder kid at like 8 p.m. at the airport before going to Athens. Um, I'm, t- I'm Literally, I'm half tempted to be like, we're sleeping at my house. and We're going to get up at like 6 a.m. and just drive in because Lord of mercy, we are not going to get there till late, late, late. You and I have done that before, Pierce. The last one you went to, if I'm not mistaken, was uh, 2019 Notre Dame at home, correct? Uh, correct. But you also have to remember, um, you know, a few games, I think, well, at least the national championship last year, um, but haven't been to Athens since 2019. Sure. sure. Okay. Sorry. Correction there. Correct. Into Atlanta uh, once in between there too. You, you remember of course what happened in that fateful trip. We got in a car accident and uh, made the trip getting there uh, all that more precarious. So I'm hoping I have my wits about me uh, this time with the other Browder kid and so, and don't get in an accident, but it sounds like pretty much everybody and their mothers will be headed that way, both Georgia and Tennessee fans alike. I know a lot of people who personally are going to just be making the trip over for just the day just to take in the sights and sounds, so it's going to be quite the atmosphere. Biggest matchup in Sanford Stadium history and uh, one of the biggest probably since, I guess, it would have been 2000, I don't know, the game of the year, right? The 9-6 to LSU-Bama game where it was uh, 1v2. The last time one versus two happened was actually... Joe Burrow and okay. Tua in 2019. That's right. Um, so that would probably be the most recent big, 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 big game like this. Big, big, big game. Well, 
before we uh, before we get into that matchup, and I'm going to go ahead and uh, right here on the podcast, let's save that one for last, Pierce. I know it's not that way on our order of operations that I sent you earlier, but I want to save that one for the very last. Let's do uh, Bama, LSU, and Tennessee, Georgia at the very end, if that's, if that's cool with you. Um, but let's start it off with the Friday night game. You heard me right. We're picking a Friday night game. And if you are in the pick em pool, this is also on your slate. So make sure you get your pick in by 1230 Eastern time. The number 23 Oregon State Beavers and the Washington Huskies. That game is on ESPN2. Oregon State ranked for the first time in the college football playoffs. They're way down at the bottom, obviously, but still... Very cool first for them. Despite that ranking, Pierce, going into Seattle, they are three-and-a-half-point dogs versus the Washington Huskies. Washington, of course, dropped two games at UCLA and at Arizona State, but since have bounced back beating Arizona and Cal. Oregon State also has two losses. Theirs coming at the hands of both ranked teams, USC and Utah. USC at home, Utah on the road. This is a big Big game for Oregon State. It's kind of a put up or shut up. This game, or the the lower ranked teams, Pierce, it kind of feels like they get ranked and then they fall right back off. So they're hoping to buck that trend. Uh, the big story, obviously, this year being uh, Michael Penix Jr., the transfer quarterback for Indiana in at Washington. He's been, uh, you know, it, it just just shows you kind of like Bo Nix at Oregon. You get in the right system and you can wow. And he's not necessarily blowing anybody's uh, socks off, but he's done very well. Oregon State. Uh, on their their side of things, not nobody really noticeable or uh, sorry notable, but Chance Nolan, uh, he he's had he's had some ups and downs. I'll say it that way. Um, that being said, I, I'm I'm taking Washington here. I think Oregon State's a great story. Uh, I love it that they they captured their first, but I think Washington at home Friday night game under the lights. Um, I'm gonna roll with the Huskies here um, to not only win the game but to cover. Uh, like I said, at home, I just I just like them better. Not probably going to watch much of this one. Uh, I'll be like I said, I'll be on the road from Atlanta to Athens, but uh, I'm going to get give me the Huskies minus three and a half. Yeah, I'm following suit here. Um, I will say there is a bit of hesitation for me. Um, apparently, it's supposed to be horrendous weather, uh, like forty potentially forty mile an hour per uh, mile per hour winds on top of just a and ton of raining. Rain. Yeah, yeah, and raining. So, but is it a torrential downpour? It, is it a, is a Seattle uh, you know Pacific Northwest mist? That's my question. Well, it's supposed to be, so I'm I'm reading something now about the game that says they're calling for something called an atmospheric river, oh, which translates to Sky River. That sounds pleasant. So apparently it's going to be raining a ton, and on top of that, the, the, the rain is one thing, the wind is another. If it is windy, then th- this game is going to be very low scoring, pretty sloppy, and, and that would generally make me take the points. Um I'm going to go Washington, though. I think this is a spot play for me. You know, Oregon State, first time ever in the history of their program being ranked. Obviously, it's only been, what, eight, nine years, but that they've actually been ranked in the top 25 in the playoff. I think they're going to get caught looking, uh, you know, and marveling at that a little bit this week on top of, uh, you know, you look at Washington, their two losses were to some pretty respectable teams, um, but at the same time, they're both on the road. I think they this is a spot where the home crowd, they do have a great home field advantage there. They'll take advantage um, and, and, and you know, hopefully win by a touchdown or 10 points. Give me the Huskies minus the four and a half. Yeah, I was going to say, I said three and a half earlier because that line has moved, uh, but we are picking it according to the pool that everybody else is picking, and four and a half is the line there. I will not be changing 
with that newfound knowledge. We're still going to keep it at four and a half. Let's talk about the number 19 two-lane green wave, Pierce. If the playoff expansion had already happened, the two-lane green wave would be in the playoffs, probably taking on our Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, They'll be in Tulsa to take on the Golden Hurricane. That game is on Saturday, 12 o'clock Eastern time on ESPNU. Tulane on the road, a seven and a half point favorite. They only have one blemish so far in the season. It was to Southern Mississippi. Uh, Tulsa, on the other hand, has dropped five. In fact, they've only won three games, their most recent loss being at home to an SMU team. Um, they're not necessarily, not only are they not wowing Pierce, but uh, they are not, they're letting teams score on them. Now, they've been good teams, but they're letting teams score on them. And uh, they're not necessarily being able to answer suit. Uh, I like Tulane in this one, even though it is seven and a half. I think it's a lot. I think that Tulane just is the better team. They they're not only seven and one on the season; they're seven and one against the spread. Probably will give this game up next to nothing. Uh, but it's a really cool storyline for the Tulane Green Wave, and I think they get it done on the road uh, by tenish points. Give me the Green Wave. Yeah, this is an interesting game. Uh, I, I'm I don't know about you. Why is this line at seven and a half? I feel like this should be 10 plus 10 or 10 or 13 uh, favorites for Tulane. I know they're on the road. Something has a fishy feeling here. You know, you look at Tulsa have had an underwhelming year, um, but you look at their losses with the exception of bad, probably say Wyoming. All every loss was to pretty good teams. I mean, Ole Miss on the road lost by uh, eight Cincinnati at home, Cincinnati, little fluky of a team this year, but at the same time, uh, you know, they're still a solid team, better talent-wise than a Tulsa or Tulane. Um, and, and then at Navy, they got routed there. Navy is looking like a better team than in the last couple of years. And then SMU, who has a very highly prolific offense. Um, I, you know, I like this Tulane Green Wave team. I've actually watched them. I actually bet on them against Houston. Um and and what they did was amazing coming in with, you know, I think they were on their third string quarterback and they were just humming away. So no reason to go against Tulane, but something in my gut tells me Tulsa keeps this one close and, and keeps it within a touchdown. So give me Tulsa plus seven and a half at oh, home. Okay. Pierce is taking the golden hurricane with that one. Let's talk about Pierce, the uh, team that's under much scrutiny these days because of what happened Last week, the Michigan State Spartans going to Illinois to take on the number 16, Illinois, a fighting Illini. That game is at 3.30 Eastern time on the Big Ten Network. Despite what happened to Michigan State and the fact that it seems like they might not even have any players to play in the game, they keep making suspensions. Illinois is the real story here, Pierce. Number 16 in the nation, only one loss so far on the season. Absolutely in the driver's seat in the Big Ten West and they are favored heavily in this one. 16 and a half points there in Champlain. Um, October is over. Is it maybe time for November? We shall see. I do hope. Uh, well, well, I guess, let me put it this way. Brett Bielema is very much uh, on the uh, job interview circuit. Uh, or How do I want to say this? This is going to be a very big uh tip to tip of his hat to a potentially getting another big 10 job. And, and he, you know, he, he's had a little stint in the sec. It didn't go particularly well. I think he's just built for that uh, Northern football. So we'll see what happens with him in the off season, but uh, his fighting Illini look absolutely great, partially due to his uh, transfer quarterback, Tommy DeVito. Um, I, Michigan State could be in a little bit of a get-right spot, but they've been really, really bad this year, Pierce. Um, and I think Illinois at home, this is a really big, really big game for them. I think the crowd's going to be excited. Um, and I think that Michigan State, with all everything that's going on now, 
with tunnel gate and things of that nature. And, and it kind of feels like maybe things are spiraling a little bit this season. I'm taking Illinois minus the 16 and a half. Wouldn't surprise me if they don't cover it, but I just think all of the, uh, all of the momentum is headed that way. So I'll take the fighting line. I minus the points. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this one. This, you know, this would normally feel, even though Michigan state has had a, had a pretty rough year and, and don't look to be getting any better. This is a spot that I would probably deem was too high of a point spread. I would have been tempted to take Michigan State here, but with what's been going on, they're getting drug in the news in the media right now. Um, I'm sure it's been hard to, to to practice with, you know, as much attention to detail and with the intensity that I think it requires to get better on a day in day out basis. Due to all the all the craziness that they're dealing with, um, you know, keep in mind this is not a Michigan State team who has done well covering on the road this year. Illinois has done a great job of covering at home. They're four and one. At home, this feels like a spot where Michigan State's just going to kind of lay down, and and with the with the great uh, defense that Illinois boasts this year, along with a, a very good rushing attack and an opportunistic passing game, I, I see this one. I see this one in the twenties for Illinois, maybe even higher. As uh, Bielema is going to be a hot uh, hot commodity on the on the on the coaching search uh, carousel, but I don't know. I, I I'd hesitate if I was him to leave Champaign, Illinois. He certainly will have the, um, you know, he's got all the goodwill there. He'll certainly be facing an extension here uh, after this year. But, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we do see him there in, like, Nebraska colors here in a few weeks. All right, the number 20, you know who else would take him is Iowa. Iowa would take him at a heartbeat. The number 25, UCF Knights Pierce in Memphis to take on the Tigers. That game is at 3.30 Eastern time on ESPN2. UCF is going to be favored in this one by three and a half points on the road. They, of course, have been uh, not only winning football games, but doing so in fun fashion. They took down Cincinnati, gave them their first loss of the season last week, 25 to 21 at home. Now, prior to that, they were on the road at ECU and they lost 34 to 13. Maybe the bounce house is enough to give them uh, you know, an edge, but on the road, not as good. Memphis has dropped their last three, Houston, ECU, and Tulane. All good teams, though. Um, if I'm using the transitive property, Pierce, it took Memphis four overtimes to lose at ECU and UCF got drubbed 34 to 13. I love the UCF story. They're always going to have a special place in my heart. I love what John Rice, John Reese, whatever you want to call him, Plumley, think he's found a fun home there uh, with Gus Malzahn. And you know who else uh, is probably uh, wishing that they hadn't uh, gotten rid of their coaches Gus Malzahn and the uh, Auburn Tigers. Um, but he's doing good things there in Orlando. But on the road, I just don't know if I trust them all that much. I think Memphis at home, uh, you know, is a, is a different beast. I'm going to take the Memphis Tigers to cover this one. Wouldn't be surprised if UCF squeaks it out. But I just think that the, the bounce house, kind of like a BYU t- type team that we talk about on the road versus at home. Um, I think that UCF struggles in this one a little bit more to get it done. And I like uh, I like Memphis to cover that uh three and a half point spread. Yeah, I'm with you in this one, Madison. I, I love this side. Uh, this actually might be one of my favorite plays of the weekend. Uh, and really, you know, I, I, I was, I know you gave a chuckle to this. We got cut off there for a second. Um, but this time of year when the spreads are this low um, or this close, because, you know, there's still a lot of unknowns the first month of the season, hell the first month and a half. Um, and at the end of the day, these are college kids. When, when the book, when the lines really get, locked in and the bookmakers get locked in you got to find you got to find little situations to use to your advantage and this is one of those spots 
uh, uh, perfectly. UCF coming off a huge win last year again, or last week against Cincy, raucous environment. Uh, and really, you look at that game over the last four or five years, these two teams, usually when they're playing these games, are playing to see who wins the conference, to see who gets into that New Year's Six Bowl, to see who might even be able to get into the playoff in Cincinnati's uh, position last year. So it, it was a massive spot for UCF last weekend. That's why we were on them in our easy peasy, which cashed. This is simply a, a, a spot for me that I just don't think that they are going to get up for this game. It, it, I think this is going to be one of those sleepy environments for them. Um, that'll be tough to, to match the intensity from last week with the big rivalry game, with it being a later game at home in a raucous environment. I think they go on the road here. I think this is a very close game. Um, I do I do want to caution that the I believe the starting quarterback, Bryn for Memphis, is is hurt and may not play. It is a little bit of a drop-off to, to the backup. Uh, they do have uh, slightly different skill sets. That said, if Bryn was going, I'd say I'd like Memphis to win this game. I still like Memphis to keep it close. If you look at their four losses, it was no one to scoff at. They lost at Mississippi State, um, which they're a good team. They lost by one to Houston, which was one of the craziest finishes where Houston scored like 17 points in the last three minutes of the game, including two onside kicks to get uh, the opportunity to score those touchdowns. Just ridiculous. Lost by two at East Carolina and then lost at Tulane by 10. I think they keep this close regardless of the QB situation and are right there with a chance to win it. Uh, This is one of my favorite plays of the week. All right, there you go. Let's move on here, Pierce, and talk about the number 24 Texas Longhorns back in the rankings, taking on the dominant 13, number 13 of the nation, Kansas State Wildcats, fresh off that win versus Oklahoma State. Texas, this could be a very statement win for them, Pierce. Uh, They obviously had last week off to recoup and get healthy. Their previous game was... uh, a loss in Stillwater to number 11, Oklahoma State. Like I said, Kansas State took down Oklahoma State last week, 48 to nothing, though I heard that Oklahoma State was just kind of dying to get to the bye week, a lot of injuries and things on their part. So take that for what you will. But with that performance last week, it's still kind of interesting to me that the Kansas State Wildcats are the home dogs in this one. Two and a half points is what they are underdogs in this one. Texas, of course, like I said, statement potential win if they can get this done in dominant fashion in the little apple after uh, what Kansas state just did Quinn Ewers. uh, This could be him starting to kind of get his feet underneath him. And I do think Texas is going to be able to put up a lot of points on this Kansas state Wildcats team. It's whether or not you think Kansas state can keep it close at home. I think why not? You know, I think that Texas um, has been very up and down. Now they are coming off that by, but it's not like Kansas state had to get it done in gutsy fashion last week. Um, Adrian Martinez, is he hundred percent? Do you know? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it would matter. I don't know if it would matter with how, um, yeah, how well he played last week. True. I'm going to take Kansas state in this one. If for no reason other than I just think that was a fun story and we'll just see, um, you know, what's happening there. Like I said, it's at home. Uh, it's at seven o'clock Eastern time. It's going to be on FS one. They're going to have the lights, the bright lights and everything. I think the, the mojo keeps going, uh, and they're getting points at home. I'm absolutely taking the points at home. Give me the wildcats. Yeah. This is a spot where I, I would normally take the points. Um, I, I, I am starting to get a weird feeling about this one though. After, Doing a deep dive, looking into this game a little bit more. I, I think reports came out, uh, you know, within the last week and a half. Uh, Quinn Ewers was not not feeling all that great, not not healthy um, in that Oklahoma State loss where they didn't look all that good. 
Um, apparently he's all, he's back and good to go here. Um, you know, Will Howard looked great last week. Maybe Texas can put a little pressure on him. Uh, they don't, uh, they, they, they do a good job at stopping the run. They will give you some chances to bust one. How healthy is Deuce Vaughn? He, he ha- was limited in carries last week. Um, I, I think Howard's going to need a big day. I think Texas's defense can, can kind of contain him there. Uh, and on the flip side, I think Bijan will have a big day. And I think Quinn Ewers will have a big day. It, it feels like a spot where Texas is, it's a, it's a, it feels like a crossroads here for Texas, where if they lose this season really goes down the drain and you can see start seeing people quit. If they win, they still got a, a chance for a solid season in there. Um, but they need this one and, and it would get them closer to a potential chance of, of making the big 12 championship. Uh, so I've got Texas winning this one uh, and, and, and a close one, but they'll win by three to seven um, in little Manhattan. Well, you are the big 12 expert, so maybe I'm on the wrong side of that one. Let's talk about the number four Clemson Tigers Pierce in South Bend to take on the Notre Dame fighting Irish. That game is at seven 30 Eastern time on NBC or the Peacock app Clemson. A lot of people, a lot of controversy about where they were sitting in the uh, playoff poll and discussion last night. Uh, we shall see if they are able to wow in this one or if this is a potential uh, loss for them, picking up their first loss of the season, improving everybody correct with their assumptions that they're just not that good this year. Notre Dame picking up points at home at three and a half. They obviously had a shaky start to the season, Pierce, and it dropped a weird game to Stanford in the middle of the year. Um. But they have also had very bright spots. They went to Syracuse last week and won 41 to 24. Uh, that's that's pretty big. I'm not going to lie. My rooting interest is going to be in Notre Dame to knock Clemson out of this one because I don't think Clemson is good enough to to be impressive in the playoffs. And I don't personally want to see uh, you know, a, a lousy game because Clemson squeaked in. I think I said three and a half points earlier. It's actually uh, what we're picking it at is four and a half point underdogs there at home. Uh, Clemson, uh, you know, questions about, you know, the quarterback position, everything like that. There's just, it's just been very up and down for them, but they've been getting it done. They are sitting at eight and oh, but they're not covering point spreads either. I, I like Notre Dame in this one. They're my home dog. Absolutely. I think that they, not only are able to cover that four and a half point spread, but I think they potentially win this one. Now you and I both know that, uh, that people can travel to South Bend. They, they are a team that you can overtake and kind of make your own, um, you know, own, own, uh, stadium there, your home there, if you will. Uh, and they definitely don't have a great offense, but there's, there's something about this Clemson team, very suspect. Um, and I'm hoping that the Notre Dame fans kind of show up for this one and they get it done. Uh, four and a half points. Give me the fighting Irish interesting you know this game gut wise when i first looked at the at the lines on monday um jumped off the page oh boy i can get notre dame plus the points especially after last night's college football reveal had a little bit of anger with the clemson uh with the clemson placement just because from an eye test perspective i just don't see it and from a resume standpoint eh, maybe it's there but i'm just not not sold on the acc being all that great it seemed to me to be a, a simply a a program logo ranking, uh, you know, based off their their body of work over the last eight years, um, which I just I don't understand when you put a, a team that whose body of work has been great and they deserve to be one this year, but you know they don't have the brand at one. It seems like you go resume with Tennessee and then you don't go resume as much with Clemson. I I don't. There's a lot of questions in there. That's to that's to be debated for another day. 
When you look at Notre Dame, this is uh, the more I've thought about this and dove into it, I, I don't know what's Notre Dame going to do. I, I'm not totally sold that Clemson is a top five defense. They've got a great D line, um, but they've 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 shown some some weaknesses and some cracks. I mean, just look at the Wake Forest game; they gave up forty something points. Um, but can Notre Dame move the ball? I mean. They've they've done better with Drew Pine, but he seems to be regressing a little bit. I, I, this isn't a team that I don't think is going to get many points on a Clemson defense who will be one of their tougher tests of the season. And on the offensive side of the ball, you think, well, Clemson, that's the side that Clemson really struggles at. If DJ if DJ has a, a, a more of the games, more of the t- uh, play that he's had thus far this season up until last week or two weeks ago um, against when against Syracuse. I think he'll revert right back. I think this is a, a spot where Notre Dame's defense is not as good as we think or as we uh, as it's been in, in years past. The cupboard was left a little bit bare. Um, you know, Brian Kelly just didn't recruit at a high enough level those last that last year or two, um, which is why it's so imperative that Freeman keeps this class that they've got going for next year. I just think this is simply a spot where it, it is it is hands and shoulders a talent level play over uh, over what is a pretty leaky and inconsistent team. I mean, UNLV was able to do stuff against this Notre Dame team. And that was after you, you know, Marshall came into South Bend and pushed them around. This team can be pushed around. And I think this will be a spot where Clemson can push them around a little bit. And it's such a small number. I think Clemson gets this one done. So give me the Tigers uh, to go into South Bend. And, and I'm not saying it's going to be, I certainly hope there's an upset. I'm not saying this is going to be a big win, but I just think that Clemson will be able to control the clock, control the ground game, um, and, and you know win by a seven, maybe ten points, but seven is probably the spot I land on. All right, let's talk about another game at 7.30 Eastern time on ESPN2, the Auburn Tigers and Mississippi State Bulldogs. This one's of intrigue to me, Pierce, not necessarily because of what these teams have done so far this season or what they will do in the scheme of things, um, but obviously with Brian Harson out at Auburn and them going and getting Mississippi State's AD, a little bit of a potential uh, revenge spot, if you will. Uh, Mississippi State, the favorites in this one by 13 points. Uh, Auburn, I would assume we're probably going to start seeing some players potentially opting out, hitting the transfer portal already. So they're down bad. They're not. They're going to be trying to salvage a season. But we have been talking about how this is the year of the interim coach. Uh, Cadillac Williams will be serving as their inter- interim coach there at Auburn as we try to figure out where they're going next. Mississippi State at home with the lights and the cowbells. Um, 13 points a lot, though. I don't think – there's just something about the interim coach thing, the interim coach tag that freaks me out. I think that Harson had very much lost his locker room. I think that the uh, fresh perspective and fresh set of eyes is going to be uh, a good thing for Auburn. And I think the Auburn Tigers cover this spread. I don't think necessarily they win, but I think they scare Mississippi State there at home. Uh, and I, I think 13 points is a lot. Is that what we got it out, or did we get it even – Bigger or um, lesser. I have it at 13, yes. 13, okay, 13, perfect. Yeah, I'm going with Auburn in this one because of all the reasons I said. I just think that there's something about the uh, interim coach tag this year that, uh, <laughs> I don't know, it's it's like bringing new life into teams. I don't think this Auburn team is not talented. I just think that they had a very, very pitiful coach. So we'll see what he's able to do here. Um, what they're able to do, I should say, down the stretch. Give me Auburn. Wow, I am shocked that you made that that selection there this is one of my favorites of the week you know if this was mississippi state going on the road at auburn i could understand it 
Um, you know, I know that interim tag does bring with it some, some weird magic, uh, whatever, for whatever reason that is, I know that the, the, it's a, it's a breath of fresh air. I know that that's mainly what it is. And, and who knows Auburn, maybe, maybe they can finally see light at the end of the tunnel now, uh, for at least a lot of those youngsters, but you know, this was a team that just is getting beat up pretty good, um, this season. And, and they're running into a Mississippi State team who's good and will want to win this game badly because they just got their AD taken. They, they, I think they'll get any chance to run up the score. The fans are going to take this personally. Um, and, and this is just a spot where being at home, Mississippi State did a pretty good job last week of holding uh, Jameer Gibbs in check. That's really all that Auburn can do is run the football. I, I think Mississippi State will be able to contain that. And, and and I like this spot for Mississippi State to get into the 30s. Um, I see this as a pretty easy win for Mississippi State um, as they go. They win running away. All right. Well, the last of the kind of so-so games before we get into the two behemoths of the weekend. This one particularly interesting to me, obviously, as a Florida State fan, but I don't think people realize how big of a rivalry this really is. The Seminoles in Miami to take on the Hurricanes. That game is at 730 Eastern time on ABC. The Seminoles, uh, they they looked like they were going to be a force to be reckoned with at the beginning of the season. Then they ran into a brick wall in October with losses to Wake Forest, NC State, and Clemson in that order, but then had a bounce back spot last week uh, and really took it to Georgia Tech. Not that that's saying much. Miami, on the other hand, has been absolutely, uh, re- not reeling, but they've just been very off. We kind of thought they were going to be better than they are. I do think Cristobal is winning some very big recruiting battles. I think that's going to all in all be a good hire for them. But as of right now, just not good. Uh, I don't even think Van Dyke played last week. Could be wrong about that. But Miami at home, underdogs in this one, seven and a half points. Seminoles going to be hoping to uh, beat their big in-state rivals and conference rivals by seven and a half points. I have heard a couple people joking, wouldn't that be funny if you're Deion Sanders and with all of the rumors you might be taking Auburn and if uh, Norvell gets blown out in this one with how bad Miami's looked this year, maybe you start looking towards Dion. I don't really know if that happens or not. Um, I'm going to take, I think I'm going to have to take, golly, this is a tough one for me because because my heart's like, oh yeah, Florida State's going to get it done, but I just don't know if I trust them wholly and completely. That being said, I think this Miami team is really bad this year. I mean, they, they've they really, although they've hung with some teams, they also haven't necessarily had the firepower that we would have expected them to have. Um, and, and they're really get bad against the spread, Pierce. So I'm going to take Florida State in this one. Like I said, it's a big-time rivalry, which would lead you to believe you throw out the records and you pick the, the better team with the better mojo. But I just think Florida State is that much better than Miami this year. Um, hopefully they start winning some big-time recruiting battles like Miami's doing because they're going to get left in the dust potentially. Uh, but, you know, this is the kind of win that I think that um, is is a statement win for a Mike Norvell. And he's not like he's coaching for his uh, you know job or anything like that. But this is one that you, you've got to start winning games like this. You got to win the Miamis. You got to win the Floridas to stay at Florida State. And I think he knows that. Um, and I think they've got a pluckier team and, a, a, quite frankly, a more talented team. So I'm taking the Florida State Seminoles, despite a large point spread there on the road. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I maybe I'm getting sucked into... Uh, 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 sucker play here simply because I watched Miami not not able to score a touchdown last week and what was a horrendous game. We covered that on the recap pod. If you didn't listen, go back and uh, listen to, to to how that game worked itself out. 
this Miami team, I mean, I gave up on them after they lost to A&M, uh, and, and thank God I did, because this A&M team, or A&M team, Miami team, I keep thinking will turn it around, and they don't. Now, there's talks that Trevor or that Tyler Van Dyke may come back. I think that'll help a little bit um, for their chances of scoring some points here. It is a heated rivalry game, that, which does make me a little bit hesitant to take the road favorite, um, but I just think FSU is a better coach team right now, a better I don't know about talent-wise because Miami has pulled some good classes the last couple of years, but certainly on the field, FSU looks more talented. Um, you know, have to keep uh, have to keep Jordan Travis clean in the pocket, but I just think this is a, a pretty easy Florida State side against a team that I'm just hasn't really shown me anything all year that would scare me away from this spread. In fact, surprise Florida State's not ten to thirteen. Um, despite it being a rivalry game. So give me uh, give me FSU minus seven and a half. Time for the main event, Pierce. We'll start with the number six Alabama Crimson Tide in Death Valley to take on the number 10 LSU Tigers. That game is at seven o'clock Eastern time on ESPN. We all know the fabled uh, stories and tales of being LS or playing LSU at LSU under the lights. They get a lot of home games at night and it is a ferocious place to play. Uh, this is a very heated rivalry as well. Um, but despite all of that, LSU, the home dog, by 12.5 points. That line has already moved to 13.5. Leads you to believe that uh, Vegas knows something, even though you are hearing people think that LSU might potentially have something in store for Alabama. Alabama, of course, uh, sitting at – are they at number uh, six there in the playoff rankings, I believe? Uh, six, They correct. are – they have that one lone loss to Tennessee, their worst played game of the year by far, um, and obviously a last-second field goal miss to uh, to put the nail in the coffin there, 16-year streak against Tennessee gone. LSU uh, dropped that early game to FSU. If they played again, I think LSU wins that, and then they also lost to Tennessee, but in more of a blowout fashion. That game was at home, but it wasn't under the lights for what it's worth. Um, what we know about Alabama is the fact that they do potentially, they do not potentially, they have get right spots. Like they, the talented teams, the teams where you look back and you go, "Wow, what an Alabama team that was." They're the de- the teams that they actually have to lose a game and then get refocused, um, and so that point Alabama. LSU, obviously, like I said, they've gotten better. Um, Daniels has gotten better. Uh, they're at quarterback, and uh, they've been able to to string together despite the blowout loss to FSU or to um, L- uh, Tennessee, I should say. They've actually had some very good uh, victories. They're coming off a bye week, as is Alabama, so everybody should be rested and everything like that. Um, Thirteen and a half points, or fourteen and a half, or twelve and a half. Twelve and a half is what we got at. Twelve and a half points is a lot at home under the lights, Death Valley. Like I said. <sighs> I think LSU covers this, but I think Bama wins. But I just think it's by more like 10 points. I don't think it's by 12 and a half. I think that um, this Bama team's going to let you score. They are suspect there, um, you know, especially in the secondary. Uh, that being said, I think that they get it right, and I think they're going to be locked in and loaded as they look towards, uh, you know, this This is going to determine potentially who who is the, um, or actually probably will determine who the uh, representative of the SEC West is in the SEC championship. Both teams are going to know that. I think Bama's going to have been focused a little bit more under Saban, um, but I think that uh, this bodes well uh, for LSU, the fact that uh, they're, they're drawing that night game at home, which is what their bread and butter is. But So I do think they cover, so give me the Tigers. I know you know this, but I do want to make sure our, our, our listeners know this as well. Don't count out Ole Miss for that West now. They play Bama yeah. has to go to Ole Miss next week. Uh, and Ole Miss is uh, uh, is is a team that I think can bully 
um, Alabama up front, especially at home. I could see some weird things happening there. This is a game, uh, Al- uh, Alabama LSU, where Kali, I was looking ahead, salivating all last week, saying, oh, boy, I want this to be – I'm, I'm going to be all over LSU here, all over LSU. And and as soon as uh, Sunday came, I, I immediately flipped back to Bama here. The line is, is screaming, take Bama. Um, I don't know what Bama has shown all year to warrant having a 13 and a half point spread in this one. Um, you know, I'm going to follow the trend here for, for, for better or worse. Bama, Bama's best teams in the course, uh, in the history of that, that Saban has been there coaching this team have been the one loss teams after they lose those next few games. They absolutely just turn the corner. I know they didn't look spectacular against Mississippi state, but I think Mississippi state's a better, I mean, you saw, um, they, they did play LSU, was able to squeak it out. But I think Mississippi State on a neutral field um, is just as good as LSU, if not better. Um, and this is a spot for for LSU where I just don't think they match up well. What you need to do, the, the, the weakness for Alabama is in the back end. You saw Quinn Ewers before he got hurt. He was just chucking deep balls to guys, just throwing throwing it up make sure they can go one-on-one you're looking out the course of, of of history with Alabama the last 15 15 years or so the teams that end up upsetting them are the ones that have a receiver that can win one-on-one battles um Alshon Jeffrey for South Carolina you know Ole Miss had had a couple of them in there um you know LSU in 2019 with with two of them and Jamar Chase and uh Justin Jefferson um, you know, Clemson with Mike Williams and, and some of those uh, elite receivers that they had. So and, and I do think LSU has guys that can do that. But if you've watched LSU, they don't go downfield very often. Jaden Daniels is not a guy that likes to air it out downfield. I think they'll have to force a few downfield, which could end up working out. Uh, but they're not going to they're not just going to have it just be chucking it deep. That's just not how they play. Uh, they, they are more of a running team. You see Jay Daniels. He's been throwing it better over the last few weeks. But at his core, he's a very good athlete and he is going to look to run a lot. Uh, I, I think that plays right into the hands of the defense for Alabama. And on the flip side, I do worry a little bit about Alabama's uh, ability to score. You know, they they just don't have the, the weapons on the outside either uh, to, to, to just absolutely run all over you and 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 really win outside the hash marks i just i think this is a side where bama shows up this week offensively i think they're going to find ways to get um gibbs the ball out in space i've heard tyler harrell coming out of this bye week uh tyler harrell the transfer from louisville who people are shocked he hasn't been on the field yet they've got ways to get him into the game plan and he's going to get a certain amount of touches i think that bodes well for them um, and, and I think Bryce Young is obviously the best player on this field uh, and probably in college football this year. I'm not saying he'll win the Heisman, but I think he's the best, most dominant player for his team more than any other player in the country. And I just see this. It could be a little lower scoring game. Uh, you know, I, I do. I do know the trends that Saban and Saban in this rivalry doesn't really run up the score. He, he's going to play a safe game, and 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 I think he will do that. I just don't see. I, I see this bam the score being something like thirty-one to seventeen, thirty-four to twenty, um, and and Bama squeaking it out. Uh, but I also could see Bama just absolutely unloading on them uh, with with some of the limitations of this LSU team. Uh, so give me the tide minus the thirteen and a half. All right. Last but not least, the main 
feature of the weekend, and we know the reason you're really all listening here, the number one Tennessee Volunteers in Athens, Georgia, to take on the number three Bulldogs. That game is at 3.30 Eastern time on CBS. Very interesting uh, with how the playoff rankings came down, not necessarily with how Tennessee was ranked, but I really thought that the uh, playoff committee would want to get Georgia in at number two to have a 1v2, but you do have a one in the playoff rankings um, and a one in the AP poll for what it's worth. AP poll is worthless. We all know that, but uh, it's going to be a behemoth matchup. Both of these teams sitting at eight and O Tennessee um, having two closer wins as well as Georgia, although the closer wins came versus better competition. And they also have some absolute blowouts as does Georgia. So it's really coming down to, um, you know, I, to me, it's just coming. I, I don't know. I don't really. I, if you ask me by any given moment, Pierce, I change my mind about who I think is going to win this game. I'm not going to lie. Uh, you ask me at 9 a.m., I'm like, oh, it's Tennessee. You ask me at 10 a.m., I'm like, oh, it's Georgia. And I flip back and forth. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and get it out of the way. It, the, the point spread that we're getting at is eight and a half points. I'm picking Tennessee plus the eight and a half. There's, I don't think that Georgia um, is going to win this one that comfortably. It's, it's a. We've talked about this. It is feels is a Georgia line that leans towards. Vegas knows something. They're begging you to take Tennessee and call me a sucker. I'm taking Tennessee. They feel very much team of destiny to me. Um, you know, the stars have aligned for them to get an absolute lights out phenomenal quarterback who, uh, between Stetson Bennett and Hendon Hooker, uh, the, 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 the uh, total age of quarterbacks in this game is 50. Uh, these boys, these boys are old. Uh, there's a lot of uh, quarterbacks in the NFL that are younger than these two. Uh, but Hendon Hooker has been absolutely phenomenal for the Volunteers. Uh, not only that, Pierce, but they have had absolutely phenomenal receivers step up, all of that 2019 LSU. Um, the one thing that you've got to knock against Tennessee is their defense, obviously. They, they, they really have been suspect at that. They've been decent against the run, which we know is uh, Georgia's bread and butter but they are going to let you throw the ball on them and and they've they've let teams get back in it when they probably should have been able to ice it away. Uh you know, I was at that Florida game. I thought to myself, "Oh my god, Florida's going to come back and win this game." They got it done at home, but it was uh it was certainly something to behold. Georgia on the other hand, they've had two very close matchups as well that you thought could have gone either way, but they were two way lesser opponents, Kent State and Mizzou. Um, so, you know, maybe a little bit of that playing with their food situation, potentially, uh, maybe they're a little bit bored or maybe they're just not as good as we all, uh, you know, thought at the beginning of the season when they were blowing out Oregon. Um, the thing that you have to worry about when you're Georgia is the fact that while he's been good and there's no reason to not, uh, you know, ride with him, God, he scares the hell out of me. You have a walk-on quarterback, uh, in a situation like this, that that's very scary. It's very, very scary to me. Um, you know, if you can get the ball to Brock Bowers and your tight ends every time, great, but you know he's going to be covered up. Uh, so you're going to try to run it on a defense that's really good. It's all going to come down to the line play to me. Um, and I'm telling things that, I, you know, this is me processing real time, my thoughts, feelings, and emotions. I know you're going to follow it up, Pierce, with more eloquent analysis. It's all going to come down to the line play. Hendon Hooker's had all day to throw. His his offensive line has been absolutely phenomenal for him. So we're going to have to see if Georgia's D-line can get that push to pressure him and force him into some mistakes. It is at home for Georgia. That bodes well for them. It's not at night. You'd like to see it be a night game and uh, get those fans all nice and liquored up. Uh, that being said, 
Uh, I've been at noon games where it's been pretty loud. Neil or uh, not Neyland. Uh, Sanford is not the loudest stadium in the country, let alone the SEC. It's just something with the way it's built. But the fans are still going to be very excited and very ferocious. Uh, this is the biggest game to happen in Sanford Stadium history, um, and 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 everybody knows it. Part of you goes, okay, this is, you know, you don't really need extra motivation for a game like this, but part of you goes, okay, if you're Kirby, you're probably were happy to be at number three because not only now are you um, have that extra motivation, but now it's kind of a realization with your whole team of like, you're in a must win. Whereas Tennessee's in there, maybe a little bit comfortable going, hey, we could still lose this game and potentially make the playoffs. Um, and I do think that could happen. I think, <sighs> God, I don't know what to do about here. I will say that... Like I said, it changes at any given moment. I really honestly could tweet out a change on on Saturday morning and be like, never mind, give me the balls. But I think Georgia wins this one, but I'm going to take Tennessee plus the points, um, which I already said at the beginning of my pick. I just think that this team has some extra mojo. I think it's going to be, um, you know, if, if they score 40 points, it's it's balls all the way. Uh, Georgia's not going to have the firepower to answer that. It's just going to be whether or not Georgia can get some key stops and force them into some key mistakes that they were able to force Alabama into in order to hold them to maybe more like a 24 uh, or a 30 uh, points and then, you know, score more than them. I just don't think that Georgia's then going to answer that with 45 points or anything like that. So I'm taking Tennessee plus the points. And I'm just going to cross my fingers and my toes that Georgia gets it done there at home. But it would not surprise me at all if uh, Tennessee keeps rolling and uh, punches their card to the SEC championship because it just feels like that year for them. So I've uh, I've had a pretty calm feeling about this game all week. Uh, and, and I said that's for better or for worse. I haven't figured out. I haven't been able to pinpoint why that is. Um, but ultimately, I think it's it's because these are two teams who both aspire to be uh, in the national championship. Obviously, Georgia's doing it year in and year out, and and has you know for the better part of five years. I know they went twenty eighteen and nineteen and twenty without uh, without getting there, but they were in the conversation you know well up until the SEC championship game. So, um, you know, two programs that are slightly different levels. Um, it, it's one test. It's one thing to win, another to you know sustain that success. However. Because these two teams are at the top, the good thing is whoever wins most likely will just win and and be the better team winning. Um, you know, obviously we could see some craziness, but uh, the winner, you know, the the winner gets gets Bama most likely in the SEC championship game, and everything's still out there for them. Uh, when you break down this game, you know it's it's a number one total offense for Tennessee in the country versus the number two total offense in Georgia, the number four, three or four total defense in the country versus the number 82nd in Tennessee. So something's got to give, and it seems like I think this line is as high as it is is because of the bookmakers being a little bit nervous about Tennessee's leakier defense. Now, you can argue all all you want about that. You know, Tennessee's been up so big on, on, on most of their opponents this season that – you know, it's just a chuck it around the yard. You're, you give up on the running game just to try to come back and score some points. So um, that might be a little bit inflated. And and I've got to say, this Tennessee defense seems to be getting better every week. Um, what Tennessee likes to do is they like to blitz and they like to have some some unique uh, stunts up front. Uh, uh, and they're pretty darn good at stopping the run. And this is a Georgia team that is going to want to lean on on Tennessee all game. If they can't lean on Tennessee, watch out. This one could get ugly. Stetson has to have a very clean game. Um, I, I don't think he can go out there and throw a couple picks like he did last week. I think he needs to be very smart with it. 
um, and, and, and limit turnovers or really just eliminate them. I know that's obviously a given in every big game. Um, but you've seen Stetson has the propensity to, to, to turn the ball over in some of these big spots. I do see this Georgia offense having some success against Tennessee. Um, the flip side's where things get interesting. Tennessee obviously benefited from that 11 o'clock game. How much? I don't know. It could be very minimal um, against LSU. Obviously, I did notice there weren't fans in the stands at, at, You know, in that first quarter. They were still out tailgating. Um, and Tennessee brought it. That was a big game for them, a big test. They also played Pitt. Didn't look all that great. Had to kind of come back and was in a dogfight and didn't and, and only got to 34 points, and that, that included overtime. Um, that was early in the year. I kind of write that one off as well. But I can't write off the fact that Georgia at home, this is going to be a, a, a crazy environment. It seems kind of like, ten, you know, all the stuff I've been seeing and hearing from the Tennessee side is, they're not too. They're not intimidated by this Georgia crowd, and maybe they're not. Maybe they're not. And and but I, I don't think they really fully understand what they're getting into here. Um, from the noise level, I mean, I think the crowd will be pretty much in the stands an hour before the game. I, I think it's going to be, you know, like when when we've gone to some SEC championship games, or, or or more so, maybe the better thing is like a Rose Bowl or, um, you know, national championship last year or in 2017. The, the, the crowd starts filling up an hour before the game. It's going to have that type of feel to it, I do believe. Um, and 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 again, these these guys haven't really had to have that crazy raucous environment test this year. Um, they were able to make the pit stadium feel more like a home game. They've traveled really well for that, um, and they traveled really well for LSU. I, I, we'll see how many fans they can get in the crowd. I don't think it'll make too much of a difference there. If you're Georgia's defense, you got to understand you're going to give up some big plays. It's just the fact of playing a team like that. I, I, you know, this is the 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 spinoff from the Baylor offense, which when I was at TCU, we had to deal with every year, and, and they can score in such a quick pace. It's it's scary, but they can also go cold. But you can't get down when you do give up a big play. Uh, because then they'll just come right back at you and attack you over and over and over again. Um, so you do look at Georgia's defense. I, I, you know, they first and foremost have to stop the run. I, I, I think they'll be able to limit some of the running running game. It's going to be on the back end. Georgia has shown they're a little bit leaky um, on the back end, especially when you can't get to the quarterback. Um, and I'm not saying Georgia has been awful this year because. If you look at it statistically, opposing quarterbacks are getting the ball out against Georgia because of uh, the history of Georgia having a lot of good D linemen um, that can get to the quarterback. They're getting it out a little bit quicker than than most quarterbacks against most other opponents. So, you know, kind of kind of some give and take there. Hinton Hooker gets it out quick, and so you know he's going to try to limit some of those uh, potential sacks as much as possible. I think uh, I think if you're Georgia, you got to have a great discipline play in the back end. You cannot succumb to, to any of the eye candy that's going on. Another thing that does scare me, Kent State runs a very similar offense, if not the same offense as Tennessee, and that was probably the offense that gave us the most trouble all season. Um, Kent State's uh, offensive coordinator, I do believe, um, went to Baylor and then coached at Baylor under Bryles. Uh, so that does give me some hesitation there. Um you know, it's a shame because I, I truly do believe this. I think if Georgia is going to cover this spread, it, it, it comes down to one thing and one thing only. Tennessee makes a few mistakes simply because they, they're they a little bit on edge being on the road in that environment. 
And, and that's, you know, great thing to have on your side, but also if that's the one thing you ha- you need in order to cover the spread, do you really feel comfortable about your team winning? I'm hoping that the Georgia can pull out a three point victory, a seven point victory. I'm not even ruling out a 14 point victory. If those things go my way, getting eight and a half, I'm going to be the pansy though, and take Tennessee. That's too many or eight. That's too many points for a Tennessee team that you hit on. seems like they've got the team of destiny. People are comparing them to LSU. I'm not sure I'd go that far only because, and no disrespect to Hooker, I don't see Hooker having the ceiling that Joe Burrow does and 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 did in college. He was a first-round pick, the first pick of the draft. I know Hooker's making a lot of money. I don't see him being a first-round pick and making you know a, a big-time move in the NFL like, like Burrow has done. But he's an incredible college quarterback, and he's doing the same. Statistically, he's very comparable. Um, We'll see how the game shakes out. I, I just think that's too many points. Give me Tennessee. If if I was a better, I'd probably be on Georgia because this line screams Georgia. Um, but I just can't get over what I've seen with the eye test all season and some of those matchup um, potential matchup issues uh, on Georgia's side that uh, this is too many points. So give me Tennessee plus eight. Yeah. And uh, they would have to, if, if they do take down Georgia, then I do think the 2019 LSU comparisons can come into play. Because guess what that 2019 LSU team did? Beat Bama beat and Bama, Georgia. Beat Bama on this exact weekend. On this exact weekend. Also, they, they did have Georgia come to town and absolutely throttled Georgia and then beat them again in the SEC championship. I was at both of those. That was a fun time to be alive. Um, all right. Before we let the people go, Pierce, it's time to hit us with your easy peasy picks of the week. My easy pieces this week, short and sweet. Uh, Mississippi State minus 12 and a half over Auburn. We uh, laid everything out in the uh, in the preview. Just skip back uh, about 30 minutes. You'll hear it. Well, actually, more about 15 minutes. Um, you'll hear it there. Mississippi State just has more firepower than Auburn. What Auburn likes to do is run the ball. That's what, really all they're good at. And Mississippi State's a pretty good team at defending the run. On the road, there's a little extra motivation from the fans. They'll be raucous because the AD left Mississippi State for Auburn this week. Um, no coach. Seems like Auburn's, you know, some of the players are getting ready to leave. I, I do think Cadillac helps them out. You know, I think he'll be able to motivate these guys and maybe get them playing for a half. But this feels like a Mississippi State 14 to 17 point win. Give me the dogs at home over the Tigers. Next one, another one we covered. And and this one, I'm, I'm starting to step back a little bit, but I'm going to stick with my, uh, you know, my analytical side of my brain, but also my gut. Alabama minus 13 and a half over LSU. It's more of a play against LSU. I just don't think LSU matches up well with what uh, you got to you got to do to take advantage of this Bama defense. And that is. You got to have receivers that can win one-on-one downfield, and LSU doesn't really doesn't really attempt many passes downfield. Um, they're going to have to force some, and 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 hope they can take advantage. Uh, but this is kind of <coughs> excuse me, kind of a running offense at its core. JT D- Jaden Daniels likes to run um, when he doesn't have his first or second option, even though he's gotten better throwing the ball uh, throughout the season and is, and is taking care of the ball a little bit more. I think that plays into what Alabama wants them to do. Uh, I think they'll be able to stop the run. And on the flip side, I think Bama will be able to get uh, a number of scores here uh, via Gibbs in space, as well as, um, you know, I, I think that Tyler Harrell addition could add, could be a key. Uh, he uh, He's a game breaker. He could make a couple big plays. Uh, on Saturday. So give me Bama minus the 13 and a half. And last but not least in the late game to cleanse your palate of those uh, two big SEC games at 2.30 and at 6.30, UCLA minus 10 at Arizona State. 
I know I could be walking into a trap here. I get it. But here's the one thing that makes me feel confident this isn't a trap spot. UCLA has has really played physical ball, especially when on the offensive side when it comes to running the football. They have maybe the most underappreciated running back in college football in Zach Charbonnet. Seems like he's on our bragger list or one of us calls him out uh, for his play every recap. And, and yet it doesn't seem like the national media or anybody talks about him. They're, they're talking about Blake Corum. They're talking about Travion Henderson. They're talking about Jameer Gibbs. And Zach Charbonnet is just out on the West Coast, just absolutely putting up numbers behind a pretty good offensive line. That travels. That always will travel. I think they bully up Arizona State. And 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 this feels like it's a spot where UCLA ought to win by 24 um, or more. Arizona State has two wins against Colorado. And I believe it was Stanford by like one. Those are the two other really, really bad teams in the Pac-12. They've gotten beat pretty significantly by every other team, even when it was at home. Um, give me UCLA, who I think is just leaps and bounds better than Arizona State, uh, minus the 10 to go into Tempe and win by about 17 to 24, I think, with E. So those are my easy pieces of the week. Hope you follow along. 19 and 9 on the season. Let's go get that cash. All right, that's going to do it here for our Week 10 preview. We've kept you long enough, so go cash those checks. Make your picks on the Run Your Pool site, and we will be back next week with our recap and preview as always. Until then, I'm Madison. And I'm Pierce. Go dogs. Ooh.